Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And in exciting news, we are less than two weeks away from seeing the Aussie girls back playing international cricket. So that all kicks off with the T20s, the first of which is in Hamilton. Uh, quick reminder to all Aussie fans that you'll be able to watch that series live on Fox Sports and KO. Um, but before we before we get stuck into that, we chatted to Megan Shute, who is currently living the dream in hotel quarantine. Yeah, Shute had some really fascinating insights, um, not only into life in quarantine, but also into some stuff she's been doing off the field recently with her IVF journey she started with her wife, Jess. Yeah, Megan was candid as usual and yeah, offered a lot of really interesting insights into the process, which I'm sure will be a really interesting topic for many of our listeners to hear. Um, yeah, just about all the conversations that are starting to crop up around fertility within women's sport. But before we get to Megan, we're getting to the business end of the WNCL with one week of matches remaining before the final next Saturday. Victoria have got their final spot locked in, but will line up against WA as a very different looking team. LJ, you chatted to coach Lockie Stevens during the week. What did he say? have to say about how they'll approach next week and heading into the finals. Yeah, he said it, it's obviously going to be an interesting finish to the season for Victoria, given they'll have just a handful of people who've played for them so far this season still remaining after Lanning Perry, Wareham Strano, Molyneux all went off to New Zealand and Annabelle Sutherland, unfortunately, is going to be injured for the rest of the season. So they're going to have a heap of new faces come in. A few have played WBBL but have been sitting on the sidelines waiting all year. Elise Villani is obviously going to be the key there as the leading run scorer in the league. And he did say they're also going to bring in Ella Haywood, a young off-spinner who got a shot with the Renegades during WBBL and doesn't have a Victorian contract. But needing someone to take the, the ball away there, they've decided to add Ella into the mix and she'll be off to Perth this week. Mm, that's very exciting. I'm sure plenty of our listeners will be remember Ella from the WBBL. And meanwhile... With that other final spot still on the line, Tasmania, New South Wales, Queensland and South Australia are still in the running for that second spot with the final to be determined by matches on Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. LJ, there are plenty of possibilities out there. What has to happen and what has to go right for each of the teams to seal that final spot? Yeah, the um, the fact that there are bonus points and even double bonus points on offer make it so hard to predict what's going to happen here. 
basically Victoria are more than likely to host the final. They need one of, they'd have to lose twice and New South Wales and Queensland, one of those teams would have to beat the other one twice and pick up bonus points to get ahead of the Vicks on the table. So seems likely we'll be at Junction Oval for the final. Then you've got Tassie in second. They can, if they beat South Australia, they're in a really good spot to make the finals, but would ideally want to pick up some bonus points to reduce the chance of being overtaken by one of New South Wales or Queensland. Of course, with an extra game in hand for New South Wales and Queensland, they one of those teams could win twice and still overtake Tassie. So they don't have their fortune in their own hands, basically. The two teams that do have their fate in their own hands are New South Wales and Queensland. If they can beat the other twice, they should be through to the finals. And then South Australia in fifth spot on 13 points. It's a tough path for them. They can make it, but you've got to think they've got to win both their last two matches at Karen Rolton Oval and pick up some bonus points and hope other results go in their favour if they're going to get through. How good. It's all coming down to the final week. Make sure you tune into that on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. But for now, here's Megan Shute. We are joined on today's episode of the Scoop podcast by Australian fast bowler Megan Shute, who is living it up in hotel quarantine ahead of Australia's series against the White Ferns. Shooter, thank you for taking the time to join us. Tell us how is quarantine going? What's what's your routine been and what's keeping you busy? Uh, firstly, thanks for calling me a fast bowler. It's not often I hear that. I know it's medium, <laughs> but um, uh, I'll give you my time because I've got plenty of it at the moment here in a hotel room. But um, yeah, it's actually been fine so far. I turns out I really enjoy my own company, so it's not been as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's forced me to open up my study, which is which is good. It's the first time in a long time um, since the Big Bash, actually. So, yeah, I've got real no excuse to kind of be productive in this time. That's great, Shooter. I thought you might struggle by yourself without able to being a pest to anyone, but you're all good. Um, I must admit, I do miss um, my teammates. We've now we're now allowed into the fresh air zone, so still at two meter radius. So it means I can't be my touchy self, which sucks. <laughs> but um, it's still nice just to see some faces and Tay and I try and lean out the balcony to talk to each other, but um, too far away. So we've got to talk on the phone, but at least we can see each other. Um, yeah, I, I do miss the, the contact, but at the same time, I've enjoyed this a little more than I thought I would. Nice. And Shooter, we'll just touch on um, a bit of WNCL quickly. A lot of positive for the Scorps this season. We've seen some great performances from the likes of Bridget Patterson, Josie Dooley, Webby over the last few weeks. Are you happy with how they've been going? And have got a few live streams to keep you entertained as well while you've been in quarantine. Yeah, uh, definitely killed some time. I was, I was watching WNCL the night uh, while I was in the bath, so that was nice. But um, Goals. absolutely, yeah, impressed with the girls this year. Like we we spent a long time in the preseason going through, you know, our morals and our new values as a team and, and really dove um, to some good depth with that. And I think that's shined in, in the cricket and obviously having a completely restructured middle order um, with the likes of three interstaters, I think it's all moulded together so well. And to already have three wins, um, hopefully a couple more at the back end and the finals berth would be great. But honestly, what I've seen, I'm really impressed with. And, you know, it's given the chance to shine to people like Dules and Webby and JB will get there in that middle order that they haven't had the opportunity in other states and then collectively add that together with, you know, people like Darcy Brown who can now control the ball um, mm. at such pace and then someone like Talia has just even stepped her game up even further with bat and ball. Um, yeah, I could not be more impressed with the captain. That's awesome. And it's been a while since you've played in New Zealand. How are you looking forward to getting back into those conditions? 
not looking forward to the cold side of it. It's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I did see the palms wrapped up, um, which made me a little bit worried that the palms were finding it cold. But I'm looking forward to hopefully a little bit of swing over here. Um, yeah, like for me, I think it's going to suit my change-ups a bit, which is obviously my game plan with the fact that I don't have the raw pace that some of the other girls do. That's, yeah, we're, we're so excited for that series to get underway. But Shooter, just on a different topic, you and your wife Jess have just recently embarked on a very special journey. So the process of IVF to have your first child. Congratulations. Must be very exciting for you guys. How long have you been thinking about this for and how exciting is it to have that process underway? Thank you. It's um, it's really just nice to have done what is the hardest part in a way. Um, we've it's been on the cards for a long time and I originally had taken um, time to really process what was going to be the best little structure for me to, to get my eggs out. And that was supposed to be last year and then COVID hit. So we had that big break in the off season. I was like, great, this would be perfect. Won't miss, you know, a day of cricket. And then they stopped all minor procedures. So that kind of, blew into my face a little bit um and then it was going to be just finding a time and we kind of we after many chats and you know lots of doctor's appointments and stuff we kind of realized it's probably not going to be an ideal time so I just said screw it after Christmas um you know first first period that comes along I'm, I'm going to do it and I did and luckily for me uh WNCL got pushed back so it could not have been better I, I would have originally missed a couple games there so um COVID worked in my favor with that little outbreak <laughs> So it's the first time we've been cheering COVID, um, <laughs> but I have to have that out of the way because it wasn't a pleasant process. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual initial part of it, of injecting and stuff, which was different in itself, um, like having to, you know, cause yourself a little bit of pain mm-hmm. um, was strange, but it didn't, I didn't feel too different. Just a little, look like I had a little bit too much for dinner at times. Um, and it was mostly the recovery. So um, obviously I had quite a lot more eggs out than what I thought I was going to get. So it was, yeah, longer recovery time, which was a bit annoying in a way because I'm quite a fidgety person. So <laughs> for them to go, you know, the next six or seven days has got to be complete rest, you know, like no painting amongst the new house and, and things like that, which is like what I've been doing for the whole time. Um, yeah, it was was very hard, I'll admit, but um, that's all right. Got to do it. And just for anyone listening who doesn't understand, um, you're obviously doing reciprocal IVF. Can you just explain what that involves and why you guys decided to take that that route? Yeah, um, reciprocal IVF is basically using uh, my eggs and putting it in Jess, um, and then one day down the track um, we'll do vice versa. So for for me, um, being in a same sex relationship, there's obviously IVF is probably the main option, um, but doing reciprocal for me my biggest fear was maybe not connecting with the baby the same way um the one giving birth would so I thought well as much as this is a you know more extensive process um that kind of eliminates that fear for me and if that creates a stronger bond between all three of us then that's ultimately what you want and then you can kind of have a little bit genetics amongst all three of us um which is obviously hard to achieve in a same-sex relationship yeah so should you've had is yeah is having the eggs removed the first process the first step in the process yeah also there's many steps before that um you've through counselling um, to basically be approved to access sperm. So for um, we got our sperm from an American donor. There's just many more outside of Australia um, and they have a very thorough process and then comes with that, the blood test for genetic testing to make sure we don't carry anything they carry and eliminates a lot of problems there. Um, so the process in itself for sperm um, probably took the longest process of picking you know, shipping and storing all that. And then the meeting scans, blood tests in between, and then it all leads to the actual egg collection 
and then once they're collected, they're fertilized, and then you find out about five days later how many embryos you've created. So obviously the more embryos, the better, the more chances you get. Um, in South Australia, it's one embryo per implantation, so it's not like America where you put three in and three could stick and you've got triplets. Um, it's just the one time. So um, that meant uh, nine chances for us ended up with nine embryos, which was great. Wow, that's super exciting. And so you've had your egg, eggs removed. Are you feeling fully back to normal after that? after that process? I am now, but I must admit it took a little longer than what I thought. Physically, it probably took about 10 days, but I think the um, maybe the hormones just kind of mess with me a little longer than I thought. I've actually really struggled to concentrate. Um, just, I mean, I struggled anyways, but um, I really struggled for maybe three weeks after. Like I could even sometimes I'd kind of drive to training and I'd get there and I'm like, yes, I probably shouldn't have drove. Like I actually didn't know. I just couldn't, um, I was a bit foggy for a long time, um, which sucked, but probably once we hit that first WNCL match, um, I would say I was back to hundred percent. Yeah. You mentioned you might've missed WNCL originally. When did that take place? Um, that was supposed to be the 15th was the game, which was my birthday. Um, and then that all got pushed back. So my eggs were extracted on the 25th of Jan. So I managed to recover just in time for our first round. How good. And so how, after the process, how long did it take you to get back into the nets? Um, a little while. It didn't take me long at all to bowl. Um, being a bowler, we've got to stick to our loads. So that's, you know, process in itself. But actually um, facing bowlers was was hard because just not wanting to get hit in the stomach basically because again, look like I had too many sandwiches. Um, I was a bit bloated and, and quite sore because it's quite an invasive um, procedure. And so it, yeah, it did take me a long time to face bowlers. It took me a while to sweep again because obviously you miss on trying to sweep a spinner. You're probably getting hit in the gut. So um, took a little bit of time for that. Um, but I'd say probably again, by the time first round came, um, you just kind of forget about it. And what is the next step for you and Jess now that that's how all happened finding the time to implant really like again it it may come down to there's going to be no good time and we just say stuff it and do it um Mm -hmm. but obviously a little bit more thoughts probably got to go into that one that one's a bit more of a long-term decision um but yeah so obviously we've got to sit down and this you look at the schedule of 2022 and you think there is there is no good time so yeah yeah, it happening (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. And so throughout the process, Shida, what was the support like from your teammates, coaches, support staff? Was it important for you to like sort of tell them about them, tell them about the process and take them on the journey with you? Absolutely. Like I'm I'm an open book, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's very honest and kind of probably give too much detail sometimes, but at the same, I think it's a really important thing to talk about and especially amongst my teammates who one day might be going through this, you know, at least they know what they're in for and, and what it entails. And then obviously um, just communication-wise with um, possibly missing loads, making up strength and bowling loads here and there and just making sure that physically I'm still in decent nick for, for what's gone on. But um, I had support everywhere, which was great. Like I was – I kind of let my state coach know well before that this was a chance of happening it was just going to be when and then obviously once we decided I gave him as much notice as I could and then I went to Pip our Australian doctor um just to make sure that the drugs that I was going to be injecting weren't gonna you know do with any (laughs) drug tests um whilst on tour that was all fine um but yeah but and then obviously I spoke to to Moddy and Flegs and, and told them about it um 
just because it's going to look weird if I miss first round, which I was supposed to at the time, you know, for no reason. And I didn't want anyone to panic with personal reasons being the released reason, you know? So, um, yeah, I was very honest about it. And like I made jokes with the girls, we did bets as to who was going to be closest with how many eggs I got out. So we took a list <laughs> and took a, took a stab at how many we we're going to get. And yeah, I was like, might as well make it, you know, a journey for everyone. Cause really at the end of the day, the, the end result will affect myself and the team. So yeah, why not take them along with me with it? Are they pumped for you, the girls? Yeah, they're great. They're obviously another family um, <laughs> to, to actually have had a proper preseason and got to spend a lot more time with some of the girls I didn't know as well. Um, yeah, it's made that even more reassuring that they're a great bunch of people. Awesome. And I know we've heard Dr Pip talk to um, in the media a bit recently about how the Australian team started tracking periods and talking to you guys a lot more about stuff like that and fertility. Is this a new thing that started in elite cricket now or has it always been like that? It's definitely a new thing. Um, I feel like it's kind of popping up in women's sport around the world. Um, I do think we were a little bit behind, but I've been having chats with Pip behind the scene for ages, not just even Pip, just kind of, as I said, I'm very open. And when I'm on my period, I will let you know because <laughs> I can't take it personally if I'm snapping at you or if I'm moody. <laughs> personal attack it's just me <laughs> so I, I was quite I've always been open in saying that but at the same time um I have always noticed a change in terms of what I can do physically um during that time so when I would you know be on my period I'd say look I'm gonna go 10 kegs lighter in the gym today um on each exercise or something like that so um having those chats with Pips she was obviously extremely supportive and um had been pushing for that for a long time and obviously that got through and the thing is it's optional which is great like you don't have to enter that and if you don't want to if you're not comfortable with it but I think the fact that the option is there, it means it can not just help the coaching staff in terms of our, our training capabilities, but also identify any problems for, for girls that are skipping periods and think that's normal. It's it's actually not. So, um, it, yeah, it helps those things as well. Yeah. You mentioned sort of like speaking about these things within within female sport. Do you think starting a family within even outside of cricket with, within all women's sports is, do you think starting a family is something that's regularly spoken about? Uh, probably not enough considering you know how many women are doing it or planning on doing it it should be more of an open conversation I think the fact that you know we're taking this long for women's sport to be respected and recognized and and now the next leap is is going into that and going hey these are actually not just female athletes they're they're women who want to start a family or just you know want to live their life really and I think you know that is the next step is going convincing those that are already teetering on the edge of quite loving women's sport or respecting and then going, oh, great, they've got to take time off to have kids as well. Like that's, that is life um, and that's every workplace. That's something that we need to keep working towards. Oh, yeah, it is something that just affects all walks of life. And I think even outside the world sport, for fertility and conception for same-sex couples isn't a topic you hear discussed too often. How hard did you find it to get information or, or find people to talk to about it? Um, I'm a bit of a nosy person, so... <laughs> gone through it I kind of just picked their brain a bit because I want to know what we're in for really um no surprises the better but um it's it's probably not spoken enough just in general like not just same-sex relationships but you know I think the stats are like one in five women in hetero relationships are going to have issues too so the the time we're in um reprimed which is the South Australian IVF clinic it's it's all straight couples so like as much as we don't talk about it with same sex we don't really even talk about it in terms of straight couples so um it affects a lot of people on, on both male and female sides and i think the more conversation we can have about it the better because it's still i guess 
some people might get embarrassed about it in terms of a straight couple, you know, not being able to conceive, but that's actually really normal. And that's what the numbers suggest. So I think the more we talk about it, the more we can normalize it. Yeah. I don't think people really understand just how common it is. Yeah. And like, I've, apart from same-sex aside, I know plenty of people who have gone through IVF or needed assistance in some way. So um, yeah, again, the more we can talk about it, you can kind of remove a lot of stigma there. Yeah, absolutely. And Obviously, CA has got a new parental policy that makes it a lot easier and having a child on tour a very real possibility. Have you have you thought about what it might be like having a baby and, of course, Jess on tour with you? <laughs> no freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I haven't really uh, thought about it too much, to be honest. Uh, I think what was um, really cool was seeing Gracie, Amy and Leah child in the big bash like that was that was absolutely brilliant obviously a very different environment in terms of the hub um with so many teams and people there but you you saw the support and you saw the love that that child kind of brought to everyone's eyes and it was refreshing and so um I mean it will be a very different tour that's for sure um Jess has already kind of said like you know we'll make sure we two rooms so you can have a good night's sleep and I was like look I'm in it for the long haul clearly um (laughs) if you're not going to sleep I might as well not as well I'll just have some and get on with it. And did you talk to Amy and Leah at all about what it's like having Gracie with them? Uh, briefly, like as much as I was around, you don't get that all that much while we were there, but I would make mention of it more so when we actually were playing them in the series in September and they said just how much help they get. Like obviously they had their money with them and, and that <laughs> I like they got the team, the coaching stuff, and everyone just wants to take care of this child. And she's like, while we're actually playing cricket, you're not stressing about your child because you know they're being taken care of by 14 other people. So um, I found that really cool that that wasn't really stress of theirs. It was more so sleeping through the night and and feeling like um, energised for games. But they said, you know, at that time, Grace was at the age where she was sleeping through most of the time. So they saw themselves as pretty lucky. That's great. And I think you would have played against Sarah Elliott back in the day, who, for anyone who doesn't know, scored an Ashes ton while breastfeeding her nine-month-old child back in 2013. What do you remember about that time? Uh, that was crazy. Um, he was such a cute kid. But, um, no, I, I just remember we were being at Wormsley, we were playing at Wormsley, sorry, and she'd just finished making a century and it got to the lunch break or tea break, one of the two. And I walked in to congratulate her and she was expressing and I was like, Oh shit. Like this was, I was young and stupid. And at the time (laughs) really think that that would be something she's doing whilst playing. But of course, you know, you kind of have a child um, (laughs) that lives off you. So um, yeah, at the same time, I probably should have been a bit more aware that that could have been something, but at the same time I was like, what a woman, like she would be exhausted in every way she's just mentally tested herself for the last one and a half days in like gross conditions and has just come off and started expressing for her child like first thing she does before she eats or drinks so I just I found that extremely impressive yeah what a boss absolutely and Shuda is it something that you would consider down the track carrying a child and then coming back to play cricket that I'm still unsure about um always been very hellbent on once I have a kid, it'll be once I retire. Um, but I've kind of said that to Jess. I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to want to do. I was like, I could see you go through this and go, I don't want to borrow it. Actually, I don't even want to carry a child. Would you carry the second? And she's like, hell yeah. Like she hasn't gone through it yet. So I'm not sure it will be a hell yeah after the first, but, um, (laughs) yeah, for me, like I'm open to both. I think, I was definitely set on retiring and having a child until the policy came in. So that has changed it, which is great and what it's there for. I, I don't believe I'd still do it while I was, I was playing for Australia. I think that's a 
bit of a push for me, especially as a fast bowler. Um, but I think it would definitely help entice me to continue state stuff. Do you think within your cricket circles, the policies started more conversations about the girls considering this as a possibility, having a child and then coming back to play cricket? Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's something we didn't even really discuss kids until that kind of came out and, Obviously, there's a few of us that are teetering on that age now where it's, you know, you're getting more and more like, hey, maybe now is the right time to do it. And this just opens up that possibility of financial security as well as going, you know, there's still a chance for me to fight my way back into this team after having a child. So I know it's opened up discussions at Aussie stuff. It definitely has its state. Um, it helps that I'm very pushy on the topic and I'll just talk about it anyways. <laughs> but there's some outside at state I don't even think they're thinking about babies yet alone their 21st birthday so yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's definitely opened up conversations that's for sure nice it's going to be a very exciting future hopefully with mini shooters running around everywhere <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the scoop and thank you for being so candid so excited to see what the future holds for you and of course good luck with the series against New Zealand awesome. thanks for having me guys Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanny. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 